0: We're going to be in Psalm 51 today for the most part, so turn to Psalm 51. We are talking about our urgent mission, the mission God gave us. Now, Jesus gave us the mission to make disciples of all nations. And I wanted to, uh, well, I've been talking about how. We do that not so much in a guilt fashion. You've got to be out sharing the gospel. We do, but not to lay a guilt trip, but just to stir in us a passion for lost people and the joy of of having that salvation, and so and, and that just spilling out of us to others. So, if we look in verse ten of Psalm 51. Let's read 10 through 13 and go from there. Psalm 51:10 It says this, "Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your holy spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then" I will teach transgressors your way, and sinners will be converted to you. Let me pray over these verses this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this body of believers here, and I pray that we would be known as people who love those who don't know you, and that we would see a harvest of those who don't know you come into your kingdom, so that you would have more worshipers, And more people to go and and make disciples. I just pray that you would work in our hearts today. You would teach us and we would go away encouraged and strengthened in you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in in 1955, when Rosa Parks decided she was not going to give up her seat in the the black-only section which is actually what happened. That is to say, she was sitting in the very front of the black-only section, and when the white section got full, the, the black people were supposed to move back, and she refused to do so. When, when she did that, this was not an impulsive act of hers. It wasn't something that it just happened, and, and, that's what was, and it was just coincidence it was that day. The, she had spent 12 years leading the local NAACP chapter. The summer before that, she was at a 10-day uh, conference for those who were um, uh, training on civil rights and labor rights. And she had been spent some time with other bu- bus boycotts. She had been arrested in Baton Rouge, Baton ruse louisiana and had spent some time uh two years earlier she spent time in jail for that and and so when she stepped on the bus and that december day in 1955 she was armed and she knew chapter and verse what was going to happen to her she was ready she made a decision then to do that she She was specifically chosen to be the one that if if she got if she refused to move her seat and a lawsuit came, that she would be the one to be the face of the lawsuit because she had a standing in her community and and who she was and what she stood for and so she she uh, was chosen and was the first. Uh, to to be the face of the first major direct action against the civil, uh, I mean for the civil rights movement. She was ready, and that's my point. She thought about her actions. She conferred with people. She was willing to be used for a greater purpose, and she was ready for her mission. And that speaks to us as believers to be ready. As followers of Christ, we should be ready for our mission as well. Christ has given us, like I said, an incredibly urgent mission to bring the gospel to the entire world so that they can hear the gospel message. And He wants us to be ready about that. He wants us to be ready for that if we look in our verses that we read today and actually look at the end the conclusion of this one little paragraph in Psalm 51 he says then i will teach transgressors your way and sinners will be converted to you that's what our mission is we want to teach people about the the salvation that's available in Christ we want to see people come to Christ and be changed for For God's glory. That is what we're looking for. And so, if we're good Bible students, we look at the Bible, we hear the word then, and we say that's a conclusion statement. So, what is it that produced that heart in David? How did he end up with that conclusion? So, instead of going verse 10 through 13, I'm going to go verse 13 and back up through to see how he got to this place where he had a heart to win people to Christ. And so I'm going to start with the conclusion and make my way backward. And so first, being ready for our mission means first that we need to find the joy of the Lord. Look in verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your way and sinners will be converted to you. We cannot really be successful in our witness if we do not have the joy of the Lord within us. The world doesn't know this kind of joy. The the joy that comes from a merciful God who gave us forgiveness and grace and eternal life. The world has religions that are superstition-based and fear-based, if they have religion at all, and The joy that comes from our salvation is what David is talking about. Nehemiah said this, Nehemiah 8.10, the last part of of 8.10, it says, Don't be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, I'll, I'll confess, there are times I struggle with this, with the joy of the Lord. I'm assuming I'm not the only one, but even if I am, I struggle in this area. I'm reading this passage and I'm thinking, this is what I want to preach, but it says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And I say, What does that really mean? And what does that mean, like, in, how does that look in, in my life? And how do I communicate that to those who might today be struggling with the joy of the Lord? You might say, I am glad I'm saved, but to say joy about it is a stretch for me this morning. Maybe that's where you're at. And so, how, how do I communicate that? Because there's too many times I think that we, uh, I know I do, I try to attempt to find joy in things that only provide temporary happiness. And that just doesn't work. That's not joy. I like what I read this week. It said, joy is the byproduct of the gospel, not of our circumstance. I'll read that again. Joy is the byproduct of the gospel, not of our circumstance. That is to say, without salvation that's found in Jesus Christ alone, there is no joy. Right? There is only one place joy can be found, and it's because Jesus Christ died for us. We have transferred our trust to His work on the cross. He has saved us, and that's where we get our joy. And so it's important to, note, important to note that happiness and joy are not the same. Happiness is a feeling you get when things are going well. And life happens and things sometimes don't go well. And so happiness we might struggle with. It might days be happy, days we're not happy. Um, I, I always say happiness uh, is based on happenings, right? I mean, if it's, things are going well, we might be happy. Things are not going well, we might not be happy. But joy is not based on circumstances. Joy is a deep sense of pleasure, a deep sense of delight and gladness, which is independent of our circumstances, but is based on the salvation that Christ provides us. It is a deep pleasure in that. So if that's joy, how is that to be restored? How do we restore joy when it's been diminished in our life, or we think we might have lost it altogether? I'm going to give you six thoughts. These aren't steps; they're just six ideas or thoughts that we can have that might help us in when, when we're thinking about joy in our life. And the first thing is this: joy is something God can restore. He says in, in Psalm 51, 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with the willing spirit. This is something God does. This is, this is God's work. It's constructed in what would consider be a passive voice, which simply means it's something that is done to us. Here's what I'm saying. It's not like we work and work and work to make joy happen in our life. It is a work of God in our life. He said, God, I need you to restore in me the joy of my salvation. God can restore the joy, but he says, sustain me with a willing spirit. It's something we need to allow God to work in our life. It's a willing spirit. So joy is something God can restore. Second, joy is produced by the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22, when we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, it says, is love, joy, peace, and patience. When we, If if you're a believer today, you've trusted in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit within you. The minute you believe, the Holy Spirit came into you, and you have all of Him. And the fruit of the Spirit is in your life, and He wants to display it in your life. And part of that is joy. That is something the Holy Spirit... And Galatians 5.25 says, "...if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit." So sometimes joy can be covered or diminished, but the joy in our hearts is is there because of the Spirit within us, not because of our circumstances. And when we are willing, it is displayed in our life. There is a joy there. So as we walk more and more by the Spirit of God, the fruit will be more and more displayed, and part of that is joy. Joy. Joy is also the result of righteousness. It says in Psalm ninety-seven, eleven. listen to this, light shines on the righteous and joy on the upright in heart. That's the NIV. There is a joy in the upright heart. And In the last part of Ecclesiastes 2, 26, it says, to a person who is good in his sight, he has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. And we can see this. If we are walking by the Spirit, and that's part of the fruit of the Spirit, that'll be displayed. But if we are living in sin, if we have sin that we are harboring in our life, then the, the Spirit will be quenched, the Spirit will be grieved, and that, that fruit of the Spirit will not be di- displayed in, in our life. Now, I'm not saying that if you're struggling with joy, the only reason you might be struggling with joy is because of sin because I think there might be other things as well going on, but one of the things we need to do is examine our heart and say, is there sin that's going on in my life that is preventing me to have joy? So joy is a result of righteousness. Joy can also be found in loving God's Word. Psalm one nineteen one hundred and eleven. it says this, I have inherited your testimonies forever for they are the joy of my heart I mean some people they may wish they have a rich aunt or uncle who would might pass away and leave them a great inheritance and and then things would all be good maybe that's what they might think this passage says our inheritance from God is his word it is as rich as any treasure that we might be seeking out and that there is a joy when we, when we look at it. That it's better than any amount of gold or diamond or, or amount of money that might be passed down to you. And we, when we see that the Bible is our inheritance or this treasure that God has given to us to find Him. Then that kind of mindset begins to lead to joy as well. Joy can be found when God answers prayer as well. joy can be found when God answers prayer. Listen, Jesus was talking to his disciples and he says, listen, I'm going to die and it's not going to be long from now that I'm going to die and that they were going to grieve. And he says, but listen, I'm going to rise again and your grief will turn into rejoicing. And he continued and and then continuing what they'll do after Jesus rose from the dead. This is what he said. In that day, in John 16, he says this, in that day, you will not question me about anything. True Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be full. Ask and receive so your joy may be full. Look, I know there's times we pray and God does not answer in the time or the manner in which we want, but that still could be an answer. But there is a joy that when we pray, there is a connection to our prayers and what God has done. Just in the last couple days, we heard the announcement that Pastor Andrew Brunson from Turkey has been released. And we've been praying for him on Wednesday night for two years. Um, And, you know, we pray every Wednesday night for him. And throughout the week, we pray for him, too. But over and over again, and about, you know, nine months into it, we might think, well, God's just not answering but we continue to pray and pray and pray so that when we hear news he's been released, we say, praise God, because he's the answer to our prayer. And there's a joy that comes from saying, I see a connection to God hearing me and my, my prayer is being answered. When we pray according to his will, there is joy that can be found when God answers prayer. And listen, there can be joy... Joy can be found when we remember spiritual partners in our life. Philippians 1, 3 through 3-5, Paul is telling the Philippian church, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy, In my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. There was a joy Paul had with the Philippian church, praying for them, because they had partnered with him, and they they worked together for the gospel. And when he wrote to Philemon, the most personal book in the Bible, it is Paul writing to one other person about that person, Um, He says in Philippians 1-7, Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. The idea is that it's not, not always about us. That there are times that we move our vision off of us and we begin to remember the special people God has placed in our lives that have been partners for us. That have that that have you know that that love us no matter what that um, they see all our faults and our issues and they say I love you no matter what and that becomes a, a, a place of joy where they say you know what at the very least those people love me. And, and it's not just that, but they partner together so that together we do more in ministry. That's what the church body is supposed to be about, is that we come together and we love each other, warts and all, so to speak, and say that together we are partners in this ministry. And joy can be found there. C.S. Lewis said this, our Lord finds our, direction, our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us like ignorant like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea we are far too easily pleased. See, God has given us infinite joy. The Holy Spirit resides in us and the fruit of the Holy Spirit is joy. God can restore that to us. We have infinite joy because the Father chose us The Son died for our sins and rose from the dead for us. The Holy Spirit resides in us and gives us joy. Our joy increases in our life, and and when we grab hold of of that, then our, our witness is more effective because we go out and people see, I see life happening to this person, and while they're not like rejoicing in the bad things that are happening they're rejoicing in spite of the bad things that are happening and when they see that they say there's something in that and they're drawn to Christ so to be ready for our urgent mission means we find the joy of the lord but to find the joy of the lord we we'll talk a little bit we talked a little bit about this in 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 Previously, when those six thoughts, but to find the joy of the Lord, second, we have to have a sense of God's presence. Look in verse 11. We're going backwards. And he says, do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And then he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. See, joy... All that I've said about joy could be summed up in saying that joy is found when we have a sense of God's present with us all the time that he is with us all the time and David echoed this in another psalm in Psalm 16:11 he said this you will make known to me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy your right hand in your right hand there are pleasures forever See, it's a powerful concept to think about that when we trusted in Christ and the Holy Spirit came within us, David said, don't take your spirit from me. But that was before the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. He will not leave you or forsake you. And it's a powerful concept to think that once we have Christ, he will always be present with us no matter what. David said it this way in Psalm one thirty nine. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take my wings on of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. See, there was no place David could go. There was no circumstance that he could experience. There was no attack that he could endure. There was no emotion that he didn't feel that God wasn't right there with him all the time. And that's the truth for us as well. When we follow Christ, as we follow Christ, there is no place you can go without the Father walking with you. Psalms 23 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. As I believe there is no circumstance you can experience where the Holy Holy Spirit isn't your strength to endure or your victor to be your victor. As a Christian, there's not an attack that you endure without Christ being your advocate who is walking with you. The Scripture says, if God is for us, who can be against us? There is a joy found in Christ's presence. And sensing God's presence in every aspect of life is the key to restoring our joy, which is essential if we're going to see people come to Christ. So it's sensing God's spirit so that there is a joy there so that we can be effective witness. And my problem is, and maybe yours is too, I get hung up on the little things of life. Those things might actually be big, but in the grand scheme of things, they're really small when we look at it in light of eternity. And I get hung up on them. And I start looking, again, for my joy in the, in, in the, the happenings of life and think my happiness is going to produce joy, and it doesn't. And then I forget that God is walking with me through it, that He's with me all the time. And so I, I forget, and I have these little things. I get hung up on the temporary things of the world. Stephen Curtis Chapman had a song called See the Glory, and it speaks of how the insignificant things of the world keep us from seeing, from seeing God in our life. And the chorus, um, it, it says this, I'm, I'm playing Game Boy, standing in the middle of the Grand Canyon. Game Boy is one of those little things. You could say, I'm at Grand Canyon, and I'm focused on my phone instead of enjoying Grand Canyon. He says, I'm eating candy sitting at a gourmet feast. I'm waiting in a puddle when I should be swimming in the ocean. Tell me, what's the deal with me? Wake up and see the glory. See, the things of this world tend to steal our attention. And we get caught up on these little bitty things and we're focused on it. And the glory of God is all around us and we start focusing on this little thing And we just need to look up and say, listen, um, I've been focusing on the wrong thing. And we begin to sense God's Spirit is walking through us for a purpose. And if He doesn't make us avoid the valley of the shadow of the death, if we walk through it, He will be with us. The psalm goes on to say His rod and His staff will comfort you as He's leading you through whatever He's leading you through. Temporary things will tempt us to put our focus on this world and we'll miss God's presence. And when we miss God's presence, our joy will be diminished. And when our joy is diminished, we're not going to be effective witnesses. And so in order to have a great sense of God's presence let's go back up another verse and see what David said in order to have a sense of God's presence we must be cleansed of sin look in verse 10 create in me a clean heart o god and renew a steadfast spirit within me i mentioned this when we talked about joy about the a, a little bit of i mean righteousness produces joy and the opposite is true. A little bit of sin in our life that we've harbored in our life can diminish joy or make it disappear altogether because it's not that the Father has left us but when we are engaged in sin we have ignored God and we think that we're walking alone. And God isn't walking there with us. And so we... we. We need to be cleansed from sin. Now, listen, from the heavenly perspective, when God looks down on us, if you've trusted in Christ, you have been cleansed of all sin. God looks down upon you, sees the blood of Jesus Christ on your life, and you are positionally holy right you have christ 's righteousness lavished upon you and and you are righteous in god 's sight that is the heavenly perspective positionally you are you are cleansed of sin, but we live in this life, and there 's days that we are closer to god, and then there 's days we we 're riding the roller coaster and we 're plunging down closer to our flesh, and then we do the climb up to god 's uh, God's standard again, and we kind of ride this roller coaster through life, presumably having less dramatic falls and always climbing closer to Christ. It's what's called sanctification. We are becoming more and more like Christ, knowing that in this life we will sin, and that's what we're talking about. It's that that daily coming to God. And saying what David says in another place in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. When we allow our hearts to be unclean, when we harbor sin in our life, you lose a sense of God's abiding presence. You're not separated from him. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. You have Christ in your life. God doesn't leave you. But there's a sense that he is we're not in good relationship. It's just like if you have a spouse and you are in good relationships and then you do a bonehead thing and then there's a split between, you know, there's the relate you're still married. But there's a, there's a fracture in the relationship until there is there's peace that's brought back. That's kind of what we're talking about. You lose a sense of God's presence, and when you feel separated from God, you lose the joy of your salvation. When you lose the joy of salvation, you cease to be an effective witness. In 1996, in the Summer Olympics, Michael Johnson, Michael Johnson, he uh, set the records for the 200 and 400 meter races. And to do that, he had to train 10 years. To And he trained hard to just shave off like a fraction of a second off his time. 10 years to run 200 meters, which is just the straight part of the track or maybe part of the curve of one of those quarter mile tracks. 400 meters is once around. And so he trained 10 years to just shave off a second or two off his time. In his book called Slaying the Dragon, this is what he wrote. Success is found in much smaller portions than most people realize. A hundredth of a second here, sometimes a tenth here, can determine the fastest man in the world. At times we live our lives on paper thin edge that barely separates greatness from mediocrity and success from failure. Life is often compared to a marathon, but I think it's more like a sprinter. Long stretches of hard work punctuated by brief moments which we are given the opportunity to perform at our best. My point is, I do think the Christian life is more of a marathon, but there are things, the lessons we can take about the sprinter. That there is there is things we do and hard work we do, not to earn our salvation, to keep it, none of that, but to, to be who God has called us to be, to work on the inner person so that we are cleansed of sin and have a sense of His, spirit, uh, of his presence and to have a joy in our life. So that when the opportunity comes up, and we might be training a long time for that, but when the opportunity comes up, we're ready then to share the gospel with those who need it and have the right word at the right time. Scripture says in Proverbs that a, that a word aptly chosen brings joy. When, when God gives us opportunities and we're ready for it, we can perform so to speak, at our best. Letting God work through us. That is the the point of being ready. It means we're keeping short accounts with God. So today, is there a besetting sin that you have in your life that keeps tripping you up and it, and it, it has a hold of you and it's keeping you from experiencing a sense of God's presence? Today, you can be freed from it. It doesn't have to rule you. It doesn't have to control your life. It doesn't have to define you. When we're cleansed of sin, we can experience a sense of God's presence. Is that your desire today? The world is attempting to steal your focus and has all these shiny, cool things that they will put in our eyesight to distract us from the glory of God. Maybe today you just need to reset your spiritual goggles and and see how God is always present, always working in your life. And when you have a sense of presence, we can experience joy. And maybe that's the cry of your heart today. Restore the joy of my salvation. God can restore it. Let me have you bow your heads and think how God might be speaking to your heart. And you respond as he, he leads. God, I thank you for your word. God, you have called us to be on mission for you. And God, you can use us in any state because you are all powerful. But God, you want us to be ready. And to be ready means we're looking at our hearts. And so we ask, search our heart and show me any unclean thing in my heart. God, today maybe someone just needs to confess their sin to you and to be released of whatever sin, the sin that so easily ensnares us, Hebrew talks about. God, maybe there's someone here who just needs a sense of your presence and I pray that you would encourage them and strengthen them, and they would feel a sense of your presence in such a way that they've never felt before, that they know that you love them, you are with them, and you will always be walking with them. Or maybe today, God, there's somebody who just needs joy. Their joy has been diminished. They know they're saved. They're thankful for that, and when they really think about it, they know that this is this is the reason for life, but just sometimes it's it's it might be diminished or covered up and i just pray that they would be able to brush it off and your your joy would would just shine out from them and they would be the joy of their salvation would be restored because of your work in their life god however you are working in our hearts i pray that you would work in such a way that we would just be effective witnesses we would be ready So that when someone comes up, we would have a a reason for the hope and the joy that is found within us. I pray you would work in our hearts this way now, and I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.